Land of the Lost premiered on September 7th, 1974 on NBC. Let's put 23 minutes on the clock. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Hello and welcome to Pilot Study. My name is Chris Lantinen and I am your host and I'm joined as always. He's on the routine expedition of life. It's Grimes. Welcome, Grimes. Good evening, sir. Nice to talk to you again on a Pilot Study Day. Nice to talk to you as well. I know you were traveling the country in the, in the last couple weeks, so uh, thus the slight delay. But, you know, we got to keep... I don't think you've ever not been on an episode. Maybe one. No, you've been on. You you haven't been on I one. One. Yeah, which was Legion, and trust me, not your kind of show, anyways. So. <laughs> Good <laughs> glad, planning on your part. Glad you failed. Uh, but yeah, we had to we had to keep it going, uh, and we had to keep it going for the Saturday morning theme month. This is the, and I believe we're we'll be about a week out of June, but all June long, we have been doing Saturday morning either cartoon or non-cartoon, basically children's programming. And uh, today's episode is all about the weird, wacky, 70s-era, low-budget dino adventure, Land of the Lost, a throwback of sorts to old adventure serials of old, definitely on a (laughs) micro-budget. Definitely uh, very staged. You're not getting any real jungle shots in the original Land of the Lost. The pilot is titled Chaka. Will. Holly. Lyra. Ari. Hey. Chaka. 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 After the monkey humanoid creature that they uh, <laughs> yeah. that they rescue, this was a show. I'll go through the specs real quick, and then I'll I'll let you open fire. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the specs uh, here are creation by Sid and Marty Craft. Um, I believe it's Croft. I'll have to double check that. But Sid and Marty Craft for now. Uh, they are a pair who created some other low-budget sci-fi fare during this time, like Far Out Space Nuts, which is described as such. While loading food into various compartments to prepare a rocket for an upcoming mission, Barney instructs Junior to hit the lunch button. But Junior mistakenly hits the launch button. The rocket blasts off and takes them on various misadventures on alien planets. Another one of their shows was Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. Uh, they, and they would actually, their company at least, would remake this very show in 1991. And then, of course, it was a uh, Will Ferrell movie uh, in like the mid-2000s, I believe. I think it was like 2008, 2009, I think. <laughs> Uh, oh, you're okay. It, this is a movie that didn't do great upon initial release, but it seems to be picking up some fans in the years following, especially for the uh, tripped-out drug pool scene, which Danny McBride, Will Ferrell, and I believe a Jorma Takone, a Lonely Island. If you know Lonely Island, you know Jorma, or Yorma, excuse me. And <laughs> um, he plays Chaka. And they all do drugs, and that's that's kind of like a scene I think a lot of people watch on YouTube 
um, if they haven't seen the actual movie. You should be honest with me, okay? You a cop. It's not an answer checker, but your name. Seriously, by law, you have to tell me if you're a police officer. Marco? Bolo. But some characters, we've got Spencer Milligan playing Park Ranger Rick Marshall. We've got Philip Pally playing Chaka. We've got Kathy Coleman playing Holly Marshall. And we've got Wesley Yore playing Will Marshall. And uh, yeah, so give me give me some of your... I've got some, some, some other bits of trivia to lay on you, but give me some of your opening thoughts on... One of the one of the older shows we've done. Um, well, the use of claymation killed me. Like the <laughs> the Tyrannosaurus Rex, like took me out of it so many times. Every time they showed him, it was either the same clip of him walking or in his face, <laughs> like barking at the cave. Yeah, they called him grumpy. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was just so. I mean, I felt so bad for the people of the seventies, and it reminded me of um, Freaks and Geeks where Bill's character just sits there and watches, like, terrible TV all day. Like, this is what he would have been watching. This is what you had to choose from. Well, you know, Bill did have a little bit of good taste because he was, he did watch some Larry Sanders, and that's the... That's true. That's <laughs> true. The famous Bill scene. But, like, um, it was kind of cool. I mean, just to say some positive things about the show, I don't want to completely rip it because you have to take the time um, and the era into account, obviously, and have some context. But they tried to introduce some learning. You know, it's coming at things from, like, a scientific angle, and they're doing experiments and time travel and stuff like that. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. And I like that you could still be ugly as a dude and be on TV. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, now that would be, like, Colin Farrell or somebody. I would say uh, good casting on the father son, at least at yeah. least at least hair wise. Whoever whoever did their hair really matched it up well. They had the oh, well, they had the sorry. same basic perm with the same basic size of fro. While we're on the son, why was every line that he acted so like labored and overacted? Every line of dialogue was like whined and like pursed out of his mouth. I don't know because he he seems like the most experienced actor of the bunch in terms of his. Um, in terms of his resume before and after the fact, like he was on, he was a soap opera guy. So he did a soap opera before Land of the Lost, got the part. And then I think at one point he was doing both at once, like uh, day and night. And then mm. I assume the studios were close to each other, probably just a short walk. And then he did like nine more years of a soap opera after the fact. So I don't know if it was just because that was the environment he was coming from. Cause like the girl, she was fine and she was like a child actor. So it, he, right. he certainly was like every line he was delivering, like you said, was very whiny. And I don't know if that was just like a character choice or <laughs> it was. If it, it was, it was a bad one. He he made it a rough, a rough watch at times. Right, right. So many things like that just kept taking me out of it. That Not that I ever really got into it. I mean, you have a damn monkey human hybrid that they... <laughs> Chaka the Paku, like who's coming up with this shit? A two-year-old, like just make some noises and write it down. <laughs> like the, I don't know, man. The seventies just were. I think TV was clearly not the, the entertainment source that it is even became in the nineties, let alone today. It it was it certainly occupied. I'm cutting it a lot more slack, but I cer- it certainly occupied the space between like when something is so goofy that 
it develops this cult following and it's just it's yeah. just a straight comedy upon rewatch it, it it wasn't quite in that camp and it wasn't in it wasn't in like this extreme psychedelic camp where in which is surprising given the the end credit music is very psych rock prog rock influenced right but it it doesn't it didn't really fall in any like particular camp that inspires cult following or like ironic rewatch it was kind of in the middle of all of those it had like little elements that i found humorous but it never like was full parody which would make something like this rewatchable in 2017 yeah the only thing i could think is that this when it was originally aired, little kids might like it because they don't know better. Some stoners might still be up from, like, Friday night. <laughs> yeah. Or just, like, the parents of nerds that think it's, like, a science show. Well, you got to think, like, when we did Scooby-Doo, we gave that show much-deserved props for being rewatchable in today's environment and yeah. for leaning hard into the stoner comedy. And this this program never does it. This program is more concerned with reusing sets and, yeah definitely uh, yeah and like kind of doing like little swiss family robinson style family lessons and being like trust takes you know you got to trust somebody for a while to become their friend like which when chaka yeah. when chaka when chaka sprints away into the dinosaur infested jungle for some <laughs> godforsaken reason let's talk about the parenting i mean literally they're there for like five minutes or like five to ten minutes they are in this planet and the dad totally ditches his two kids to go go back to safety and just leave yeah. them in the jungle good luck kids with the tyrannosaurus <laughs> rex and the weird ass monkeys and, you know just general jungle shit like bugs and it's it's a strange yeah. program because especially the the plotting is very strange in retrospect because it's kind of, it's this very circular narrative we have We'll have, you know, exposition in the jungle, circle back around to a dinosaur attack. They get they get rid of the, they go back to the cave, exposition in a set, dinosaur attack, exposition, dinosaur attack. It's like it, <laughs> it's it was very circular in that fashion and it's <laughs> it, it doesn't really like you figure for a pilot, especially one that's like a kid's show and one that is like seemingly comprised of self-contained narratives and you would you would think they would wrap up the t-rex plot in some way because that's the driving tension in the entire episode is are they going to exactly but the resolution is just them sticking a you know sticking the dinosaur in the mouth like in the middle of the episode not even at the end like you figure they would outsmart and beat the dinosaur at the end and that would be like kind of the last action but then there's like four things that happen after that well, yeah, and the show was just so terrible in general that I kept waiting for the dad to like pull a splinter out of the T Rex's paw, and then they'd be buddies, like, <laughs> like wrap it up in some bullshit way like that. Because there was no resolution there. I'm like, what are they doing? They just keep coming back to the same. It's like I, I know it's bad when we do a 23 minute episode, and I check the time, like how much is left, yeah. like multiple times. Usually, I don't check at all. You know, for right. if. If it shows decent at all, I'm not worried about it. But, um, man, I was so bored. And I remember the first time I checked was at 11 minutes. I was like, <laughs> I didn't even make it halfway through this pitch. That's a new because I, a yeah, new you had already you. seen, Yeah, and you had already seen, like, everything you said. Like, the cave set, the jungle set, the fake-ass running set. Like, Yeah, the, the sets were... 
the sets kind of reminded me. I don't know if you've been to Disney World or Universal, but they'll they'll do these stage shows like Indiana yeah. Jones. Yeah. Like we we've talked about the Indiana Jones one before, but like they'll do like a pirate one or whatever. And also, I mean, you're you're in Southern California. You have jungles and palm trees and shit. Just go outside and film shit. Like, <laughs> why are you making shit out of claymation and construction paper? <laughs> yeah, they'll like. It reminded me of that because in those productions, they'll like go from one part of the set to the next to the next to, to kind of advance the plot. And it seemed like these sets were like literally two feet away from each other. Yeah. And they were just kind of walking from one to the other to set up for the new scene. So it was, it seemed to be very much of that kind of setup. Um, <laughs> uh, title Talk. I've got a nice bit of trivia for Title Talk for us today. Uh, the person that played Will, our whiny brother, he is the one who sang both the intro and the outro song. Damn, yeah. sweet. And I've got more. He was apparently in a group from Motown, as he says, white boys from Motown, you know how that went. And he said, the studio wanted me to do the theme song because of my popularity at the time. I was on the cover of Tiger Beat Magazine and other teen magazines, so they had me do it. Then for season three, blah, 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 blah. So he was apparently like kind of like a budding pop star, a soap opera actor. And so he was the most seasoned actor, and he came in as like kind of this little bit of heartthrob, it seems like. He was on the cover of magazines and stuff, so he sang the, came in with some heat. Sang the intro and outro. And I found the lyrics for the intro and outro, and I think it's important to recount the lyrics because... They kind of just drop us in on the action, which I thought was the other very, very surprising thing about this show. The what's really what's really interesting is that the the relationship between the intro and the following action is that we don't get a redo of what we just saw, similar to say Power Rangers. We yeah. get an expansion upon the intro. We get like sly reference to them, or maybe not sly, but we get reference to them to to what happened in those intro scenes. But those scenes are like not actually part of the plot after the intro music. Like you have to pay attention to that first segment because the intro is essentially uh, along with the theme song those first scenes. So like you would never know why they're in the jungle if you miss <laughs> the first thirty seconds, right? Right. So <laughs> it was very. Uh, very interesting that they didn't recount those like they would on a Power Rangers or something like that. Because I assume they would just they just use that intro for following episodes as well. But usually in the pilot, it's like a little bit of repeating. Um, so some of the lyrics here. Marshall, Will, and Holly, those are our three main characters. Uh, Marshall being the dad, right? Yeah. Yep, Rick Marshall. Um, on a routine expedition, met the greatest earthquake ever known. High on the rapids that stuck their tiny raft and plunge them down a thousand feet below to the land of the lost. So what we're what we're supposed to have thought have happened is that they went off a they were on a camping trip <laughs> and apparently they decided to go into or there was an earthquake and so rapids were created and they were flung off a waterfall into basically like a portal, like some kind of door to another dimension. And I love that the I love that how um, Park Ranger Rick Marshall realizes that it's not Earth, it's not the dinosaurs, <laughs> it is uh, the three moons. Yes. It's not you know you figure like you'd realize right away that something's up considering a T Rex is chasing you. That should be the dead giveaway that you you're in think. a different world, but instead he decides three that moons. it's the three moons, which <laughs> are also used in the Will Ferrell movie because I watched a clip today and they they shot up to the three moons. So that is one thing they carry over. 
If he didn't mention it, I would not have noticed it, guaranteed. <laughs> uh, so what do you got for some, some random notes and some other fun stuff that we should discuss here? Well, um, I mentioned before I did not see the Will Ferrell movie, but I remember when it was coming out, my uh, job in undergrad that summer was working at Subway, and that was their big, like, uh, movie launch and i was gotcha. like you know your movie's fucked when subway sponsors it because they tried that ryan reynolds um green hornet or shit or whatever he was and like that oh, was green, a flop. green lantern green lantern and then you know um the will ferrell one was a flop too that was one of his biggest flops wouldn't you say yeah i'm pretty sure that is i mean besides like the obvious ones like uh I'm sure Stranger Than Fiction didn't bring in, like, a lot of money or anything. And uh, what was the other one that... What was, like, the other serious one? Everything Must Go. Yeah, like, that, that was... wasn't, like, a big movie. Uh, Land of the Lost made $68 uh, million worldwide in its total run. Opening weekend of $18 million, And that... Not great. Not that, great. That week it was beat by The Hangover, which had 44 Okay, yeah. And Up which had uh, 44. So <laughs> The Hangover also celebrated its first weekend that, that very weekend, and it was uh, it doubled it, basically. So, huh. yeah, well, interesting. Tough weekend to come out, it sounds like. <laughs> Do you want to know, um, in terms of dinosaur movies, it's number eight ranked all time in between The Good Dinosaur and The Land Before Time. So there you go. Damn, it beat the land before time, huh? <laughs> Just barely. <laughs> well, um, other than that, random notes, I'm not sure. I just I felt so uncomfortable with those monkey hybrids, the Pakus. <laughs> I just hated that. I feel like that image is going to be in my head for a while. Like, Just the whole handling of that situation and them teaching it like English in a couple seconds, like drink water. Yes. My name, I'm a human, like super corny over the top. I just think I, I can't appreciate the seventies production style because I, like I can watch old stuff. I mean, the twilight zone is probably 15 years older than this and it was done expertly or like Alfred Hitchcock or other things were good, you know, before this. So I think this is the start of like, the television business like we got to make this spend as little as possible on shit so that we can milk all the like ad revenue out of it and sell it to, to these idiot kids don't care about quality anyway yeah it was like we have it's almost like they had leftover sets from like yeah. you know some other jungle movie and they're like let's use that let's right. cast let's cast this young kid that we have doing soap operas you don't even hire anybody to, th to sing the theme song <laughs> Right, yeah, just get one like person to do everything, yeah, and do everything on the cheap. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a little disappointing there. But, you know, having said that, Saturday morning stuff is just an excuse to sell sugar to kids. So This is really the first time that it, that, that uh, complaint has really rung true, I think, with, with the shows that we've done some pretty quality programming. We did some quality stuff. Yeah, this sure. is obviously on the lower end of that quality and seems to be an excuse to... This is maybe the worst pilot we've ever watched. <laughs> I think this is way worse than, like, um, Worse than Ferris Bueller. Bueller. Really? I think so. Okay. All right. Well, Bueller also had 20 years on it, so we gotta we got to remember that. <laughs> it's, it's got, it has to be more modern. But, I don't, like, like I said, some of these 70s shows, like, 
they they seem dated, but then the humor is again of a stoner variety, or it's so weird and bizarre that you find stuff to appreciate out of it. But yeah. again, it didn't fall into either of those camps hard enough, and I think that's the it's it's just cheesy mostly. Yeah, and it doesn't have like that that it doesn't have any weird undertones you know anything like that there were there was like a couple lines that i thought like are they making social commentary because you know some of the writers like uh the main writer on this one and the second episode david gerald he uh got some credits on the original star trek which again is a show around the same time and looks way better than this right yeah yeah um so i mean you have like a sci-fi guy who came from an environment where they try social commentary and there's like a line like he may be cute, Holly, but he's still a dinosaur, and that makes him dangerous. Like, I don't know if that line was supposed to have some kind of civil rights tinge to it, but, like, I kind of thought about that. And there, there was one more, but I'm trying I heard to... one. Yeah. Uh, the, actually, the only line I wrote down was when she was like, can we keep him? He's like, no, Holly. Yes. People don't own other people. Yes, yes. So there, there <laughs> was, like, was, like, a little bit wow. of social commentary, but it didn't go far enough, once again. It doesn't go far enough in any... Uh, discernible direction um I've got, I've got a few notes they uh i noticed that every, every time there's a chase scene they bring the banjo back from the intro music i thought that was interesting i'm not gonna say if it's good or not it's not really a your standard sci-fi adventure instrument but they really leaned on it like it's almost like i don't know what the timeline is between this and what's the movie where they go out in the woods and they're deliverance <laughs> Del- deliverance is after this time. right Okay. I think it's around the same. Well, let's let's double check that because uh, Deliverance it... features a young Burt Reynolds, like real young. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me double. Oh, nineteen seventy-two. So this was two years later. So I wonder if like the banjo being used in that kind of sparked any kind of like banjo revival use in like action. I think it implies like a scary outdoor situation. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there's any correlation there, but anyways, uh, the T-Rex, he like the stop motion T-Rex, he looks more like a shark than anything. Like he has a very shark like head. He doesn't really look like a dinosaur. There's no texture to his skin is very smooth. That that's, that's why I thought about the shark and they could at least like, put like a hole in the back of his mouth there's like no hole there so it's just a flopping like mitten just a, yeah well it's a puppet at, at some points it goes from stop motion and then in the close-up scenes it's like a hand puppet so it really it literally was a mitten uh again I, I we didn't really have ideal plot resolution the chaka thing resolved but again the dinosaur thing they really needed to move that stick scene back a little bit and the uh, the feral thing, like it did make for like a, it made sense for a cheesy remake. Like the setup's easy enough to replicate. Um, the interesting character design, like the slee stacks, which we don't see in this, but ends up being the f- most famous imagery from the show. Uh, that's all there, and like the lesson based humor, I guess, could be spoofed. Um, like kind of a la the Brady Bunch big screen outings uh, that they kind of like took yeah, that yeah. aspect and like made it kind of a joke. So I, I remember I, those. I see why somebody watched that and was like, let's let's remake that for Will Ferrell or Danny McBride or whoever. Uh, no mom and no mention of her. So I assume they explore the fact that some the mom died at some point. You know that for sure. And yeah, the psych rock at the end. I thought that was a little strange given, again, they were really over-reliant on the banjo. And then at the end, 
they, they were on this this bizarre psychedelic approach to the end credits and i'm like where was that throughout the entire show like that would have been cool and interesting and it would have like identified it by era but i don't know when i look all around i can't believe the things i've found now i need to find my way i'm lost i'm lost find me living in the land of And every time they cut to the T-Rex or the Tyrannosaur, as Dad liked to call it, <laughs> yeah. um, they played that, like, bum, 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 scary music, too. Like, they had mm. three sets, three music cues, and, like, three hours to make each episode. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Oh, yeah, and the creators, I, I said I was going to check on this. It was Sid and Marty Croft, not Kraft. <laughs> Yeah, I believe they had some huge like um, Hollywood empire at one point. Yeah, yeah, they were they were big wigs, and uh, Will did or Wesley, aka Will, did an interview with fake the Lake Charles Film Festival dot com. That's where I got the tidbit about the theme, so I want to give them oh, cool. credit. And he said. Uh, what did you think about the scripts? And he said, Land of the Lost is going to be like Swiss Family Robinson, a dad and his kids lost in the wilderness having to survive. David Garold, who wrote, he wrote Star Trek episodes, he was the head writer and took it and turned it into science fiction. He hired all Star Trek writers, including Walt, Walter Koenig, who played Chekhov on Star Trek. So a lot of Star uh. Trek uh, crossover there. And he said, uh, they asked what were the sets like, and he said there were two full sound stages. They were huge and were like giant barns. One had the lagoon, the jungle, and the cave. The other had the interior of the cave, and the side of the building was painted blue. Uh, chroma key is what it was called back then which is obviously something they still use today he said it was cutting edge and had never been done yet the mixing of video and film the dinosaur animation was already shot on film and they would put us in front of the blue screen and shrink us down to scale with the dinosaur it was a lot of fun so apparently this was kind of like a technical marvel um for the time and it did a lot of things um that were new for the time. It doesn't mean that it looks good, but uh, Wikipedia also mentioned the series marked a rare example of matting, again, filmed stop-motion sequences with videotape live action so as to avoid the telltale blue fringe produced in matting with less um, exacting processes. So they were placed basically with pre-recorded animation so they would like run from the dinosaur or whatever. So that's kind of that's interesting, I guess. It is definitely interesting, but the fact that so much work went into it makes me feel even worse <laughs> how, how it turned out. Uh, I think I think it has some kitsch value. I mean, I know you're you're being hard on it, but I think it has some. I'm going to stand up a little bit for Land of the Lost, and uh, okay. I'll I'll be on the positive end here. Have you ever? Did you ever see the Nickelodeon show Finders Keepers? I did not. I might have been a little too old for it. Will Will apparently hosted that. I'm just kind of going through and. Will slash Wesley hosted that. I'm kind of going through and making sure I got all my little tidbits of trivia here. I think we are, uh, we're good. Yeah, I can't think solid. of anything else. I'm, I'm glad they tried to inject some science into the world. It's, yeah. it's a good, good attempt. It's got some charm, but I think what we're coming down on is it's not weird enough to watch today. Right. And that's strange given that they go into another dimension, are fighting dinosaurs, and run into chimp men 
And you think like, yeah, that sounds weird enough, but no, it's not. It's, uh, it's really not. It's, it's quite boring. <laughs> it's just it's just mostly cheesy. Uh, that's yeah. that's gonna wrap up our Saturday morning theme month. Uh, if you want to go good back, month. A, a good good month, a solid theme, and I feel like they all kind of stuck within the same uh, general not time frame, but. Uh, there, were, there was a lot of crossover in terms of what we were talking about, which is kind of why we do these months. So, so far we did Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Saved by the Bell, and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. Uh, so all four of these episodes will be available to listen to as you're listening to this. So make sure, go through, check out the entire story, listen to our cool countdowns we did uh, at the end of the first three and uh, make sure to follow us on SoundCloud. Then you'll be able to know whenever we drop an episode, you'll be able to comment, uh, hit that heart button for our episodes, all that good stuff. And uh, plugs. Give us some plugs, Grimes. Um, well, I'm still tweeting for some Hell unknown yeah. reason. Underscore Grimes John. <laughs> Gets a little dark at times, but That's it's okay. all good. That's okay. And... Um, Plug Pilot Study Pod on Twitter too. Like that's an easy way to reach us. We both see everything there, so that's good. Any uh, any uh, recommendations? So what what are you watching right now? What would you you know what what would be your if somebody said uh, I got to watch some new TV? What should I watch? They came to you as an expert. What what's the one show that you tell them? I have to say Master of None. I just finished uh, it. Yeah. I think it's still perfect. I've yet to see a bad episode or one that didn't emotionally move me up and down the scale of emotions. I think Aziz like hit his sweet spot of his career and his, his like whole vision, his point of view, his comedy. Like it all makes sense. I love it. Great second season. I I personally I th- I think we split on this right. You were not you were waiting for him to get back to New York, right? You weren't a huge fan of the the Italy ones. I liked the Italy ones now in the context of the whole season, but yeah, I could have done with a little less of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Master of None Season 2, that's a great recommendation. I'll just piggyback off that and say go watch that immediately because that uh, that's top-notch stuff right there. So, once again, thank you guys very much for uh, listening to the show. And as always, we will leave you a preview of what we'll be discussing in the next episode. Thank you. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Oh, bummer. <laughs>